Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. I want to be involved in God using me to be able to brighten the kingdom. God using me to be able to brighten somebody else's life, to be able to show love in some way, shape or form that they may never have seen love in their life. I want God to use me in this community, this growing community, this soon-to-be metropolis of Sydney. I want to be God's vessel. I don't know about you, and I'm hoping that I'm not alone in this room this morning, but in that, the past, present and future. Past past is something that we tend to learn from. And I've got a slide up here. I've, there's a few slides leading up towards the, 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 um, the point this morning. And there seems to be, and some of you guys might go, oh, that was two messages in one. I think, yeah, maybe it might be two messages in one. But the thing is, is that uh, I believe both of these messages are very, very um, key. And this, I saw this quote as I was doing it. Vision is the ability to talk about the future with such clarity. It is as if we are talking about the past. So it's like it's already happened. If we step into the vision like it's created to be, it's like it's already happened before it's even happened. Yeah. So last week we launched this less of me and more of you in our everyday. I also said uh, I also shared this slide, and this is just more of a recap of last uh, last week. Is that uh, one of the most powerful prayers we can ever pray? Is God, not my will, but let Your will be done. And last week I also shared: make sure that you're very careful when you pray that, when you pray it with an open heart, because you may not like what ends up happening. But you need to trust that God has your best intentions, your purpose in mind, not to fulfill your own desire, but to fulfill his purpose in the kingdom and his purpose in your life because, let's face it, I don't know about you, but I don't normally always make the best decisions. But God does. Today's message, past, present, future. So in the past, and I was sitting there trying to recap, and I remember three of the um, the vision castings that we've had over the years. Uh, and uh, I think there's going to be a fair few people in uh, in our church that would remember a lot more, but uh, my memory tend to uh, suffer and probably the, uh, the knocks that I had in football that I sit there and go, oh, I struggle to remember a few things. But I remember these ones, making life worth living was one. You are the salt and the light. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Uh, and true north, or where is your true north? Um, for me, past, present, future. Past is our victories. Sometimes we don't see them as victories because we, we, we tend to wallow in them or, or they tend to hold us back from uh, where we're supposed to be in life. Our present is our action, is what we're doing now. We have the ability to be able to change our course in the present. And the future is the vision, as we keep on saying. Down below there, for those that can't read it, down below it says the overlap. So the overlap of the three, uh, the two circles, the overlap is where you find clarity and courage. If you allow that to happen, that overlap, 
where you find clarity and courage, which is the present, which is now, is that we can learn from what we've, the mistakes we've had in the past to be able to enlighten and let us to step into where God wants us to go, the vision, the future. Yeah? Sweet. So, first of all, I'm going to apologise that I'm going to be moving around a little bit more. But uh, there is a purpose to this. So don't, attention on me, attention on the three chairs. There's three chairs up here. No, we don't need volunteers, uh, just to make sure that. Uh, these, these guys over the back here are wanting to get up on stage. You can get up on stage if you want. <laughs> now you're going to have to go back down. <laughs> all good, all right. So three, three chairs, three chairs. Uh, I, I heard this uh, message uh, last year, and whenever we come to a decision in our lives, or whenever there's a crossroads within our lives, we tend to there's three different directions or three different voices that we can tend to hear um, uh, that are, I like to call our influences, our inner influences. Yeah, the three different voices that we tend to hear is the first one is God. God always tends to shine brightest, but are we actually allowing that to actually happen? It's the truth. may not be the easiest thing to hear, but it is the best way to, uh, to choose. But I don't know about you, but I don't always tend to choose that because I, I think maybe I've made the right dis- uh, decision, but maybe I haven't. So the best way to actually clarify all this is to actually take it to the Bible. So what backs up this? In Proverbs, I'm hoping that's a little bit better to actually see. But in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, and I've got two versions here. First one, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek in, he, in seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. Another version says this. It says, Trust in the Lord completely. I love these words. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. We'll get to this afterwards. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. With all of your heart, not just a little bit, not the things that you want to actually allow him to do, but it's the whole, your complete heart. A couple of months ago I shared that I I heard a, a person come through the notion of attaching Jesus to everything, even to the simple part of a cup of coffee, just so that we can sit there and go, Lord, I want to share this moment with you. I want to share every moment. I want to share the steps that I take. Where would you like me to go? Is this where you want me to be today? Do you want me to drive down into Penrith? Do you want me to go this way? Do you want me to go, I want to attach you to everything of my life. Because if I rely on you in my full heart, that he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, in everything that you do. Kind of like the vision that we've um, portrayed for 2020 and beyond. Is that less of me and more of you. If we become intimate in what everything we do, he will lead you wherever you go. I don't know about you, but I want to be led by God. I want to be led by the person that created this universe, that created this life, that made such intricate details in me, my fingerprints, the way that my heart started up, and this is for you as well, the way that I came to be, the purpose for me to be here in Penrith, for you to be here in Penrith. I want to be led by that person. 
I don't want to be led by my own selfish desires because I will get it wrong because of my human nature. Yeah? Second one is the enemy. The world. A lot of people sit there and mistaken this for the flesh. Yes, no, but this is a big influence in a lot of people's lives. This is what the world tells you how to live and what to live and what to do. So the enemy is taking up another one of our seats. Let's turn back to the Bible and see what the Bible says about that. We don't have that. The Bible says this in 1 John 2.16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but from this world. I'll repeat that again. This is in 1 John 2.16. It says this, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions in that. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. In John 8.44 it says this, and this is talking directly about the enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him whatsoever. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. I'll repeat that again. When he lies, when he lies about your life, when he tells you that you are unable to do something, It is consistent with his character because he is the father of lies. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. Unfortunately, because the world tells us so much to do stuff, we tend to sit and live and step into these decisions in our lives, sometimes because it's the easiest way to go, sometimes because it's a quick fix. It may be something just to take the edge off it, but it tends to lead to destruction. Our last chair this morning, this is for the first part of the message, our last chair this morning. So we've got God, we've got the enemy, and we've got the inner me. I don't know about you, but when I come to decisions, I'm sitting there going, well, what is the truth in this? And then I, I tend to um, notify the truth. And then I notify um, what, what the bad decision in this. I sit there and realise, and it's revealed, the bad decision in any choice that I make. And then I sit there and I, I start thinking, is that re-? and then I question the truth. And I sit there and go, is that really the truth or is that my own desire? Am I, is this what I want or is this what God wants in my life? So you tend to, tend to turn to the Bible again. So Ephesians 2... Three, it says this, and no, I must have downloaded the wrong one to the back there. So I apologise for that, but in Ephesians 2, 3, it says this, all of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh. Powerful words. Following the desire of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Ephesians 2.3 Our human nature is to get us satisfied. 
our human nature in every situation is to be able to sanctify what we want. But unfortunately for us, we don't tend to notify this or actually notice this and rebuke it unless we actually step into the light and go, well, this is not glorifying the kingdom, it's actually glorifying my kingdom. In Romans 7 and 5 it says this, when we were controlled by our old nature, again, our human nature, yeah? When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. When we tend to start leaning on our own desires, they come very, very close, sitting very, very close to the world. And this verse in Romans highlights that. It says here, when we, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work with us and the law arose, these evil desires produced a harvest of sinful deeds. The world continually tells us through media, through songs, through social media, through peer pressure at schools and things like that, that we need to live a certain way to be accepted, to be seen as successful, to be seen as able, capable. Especially for men, you have to live a certain way or do a certain thing to be able to be seen as a true man. And for women, you have to do certain things to be seen as a strong woman or a capable woman. But does God say that? Well, it's not reflective of the Bible in that. In James 1.13, it says this, Let no one say, before I go into this verse, it says, a lot of the times when we sit there and we realise that when we choose our own ways, we sit there and go, well, I'm only being tempted. I'm being tempted by God. I'm being, uh, I'm being tested is what I'm being tested. But it does, that, that again does not reflect with the Bible. It says here, James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. When we choose our own desires, we need to suffer the consequences of that because we have chosen not to go down the path that is actually already prepared before us. And goodness for this rain. There's a few umbrellas going everywhere. Galatians 5.16. And I've got two versions of this, and um, it's sad that it's actually not up here because they're, they're actually two really, really good versions. Um, uh, two different um, translations. We've got here, the first one uh, is in the, the Living Translation. It says this. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If we want to counteract this, we need to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Different wording in the Passion Translation. The reason why I'm using the Passion Translation here is because of the wording is from the Aramaic Bible and it says here, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop there just for a second. As you yield freely and fully, God gives us the choice. 
He continually gives us the choice to be able to live in his Holy Spirit, to live in the gift that was provided by him to be able to live in freedom. And it says it perfectly here, as you yield freely and fully. He doesn't say half, your life is going to half be all right and half not be all right. But if we completely yield, so completely surrender freely and fully to the Holy Spirit, this is what will happen. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Not just put it behind us, you will abandon them. The cravings of your self-life. Now, <clears throat> this is the reason why I said it might sound like it's two messages in one, but the past, present and future. One of the things, and a lot of people know this, um, this, this psalm, and it's the psalm of David, and it's Psalm 23. Now, it is perfect for this as we're stepping into where God wants us, not only as a church and his people, but us individually, because if we cannot step into individually where God wants us to go, how are we supposed to allow people to come alongside us and raise up the kingdom in what we do and how we do it? So we need to first, as we said last year, uh, last week, sorry, not last year, last week with Joshua, he said, sanctify yourselves, purify yourself, for tomorrow God wants to do miraculous things among you. Are you going to allow God to do miraculous things among you? So let's turn to Psalm 23. So the first part of Psalm 23. And I think, yeah, this is not going to be good. But just follow along with me anyway. All right. So I've got two different versions for each part of this verse. And the reason why is because we're sitting there and we're, um, and one is the King James Version and the other one is the New Living Translation. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want you to capture some of the words. And any words that you may get captured within you, I want you to hold on to them because I feel that God might be doing work in different words and different pronunciations of different things. Uh, yeah, most of you guys probably have read Psalm 23 before over and over again. But what I want you to do is I want you to hear what God wants to say to you this morning in this. All right? So let's break down these verses just that little bit. Yeah? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In another, in another version, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Yeah? In describing the Lord as a shepherd, David wrote out of his own experiences because he had spent his early years caring for sheep. Which is ironic because sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for province, guidance, and protection. Most scholars conclude that Psalm 23 was written by David when he was a young shepherd serving his father Jesse while he was keeping watch over the sheep near Bethlehem. He was most likely 16 or 17 years of age when he wrote this psalm. As the Lord is the good shepherd, so we are his sheep, not frightened passive animals, but obedient followers. Wise enough to follow the one who will lead us in the right places and in the right ways. Different way of looking at that verse. David knew this and he wasn't referring to the animal-like qualities of sheep but the discipleship qualities of those who follow. Are you truly following God? Is he truly your shepherd? 
And have you yielded to that? The word most commonly used, the word most commonly in the Bible used for the shepherd is taken from the root word raha. Now, raha also in Hebrew means best friend. So not only is he your shepherd, he's your best friend. The Lord is my best friend. I shall not be in want. I shall not want, and I have all that I need. This is just a side note, so I'm going to put it on a side note. Another psalm that David wrote when he was young, around the same time as he wrote Psalm 23, was Psalm 19. And if you know anything about Psalm 19... For those, I can see a few smiles and everything like that. Psalm 23 and Psalm 19 are fantastic if you're wanting to mould into a giant killer. David was 16 or 17 years of age. He knew God was going to do miraculous wonders among him because he knew tomorrow was coming. And he wrote these two phenomenal psalms. So if you're wanting to model that, these are... Fantastic psalms to either memorize and meditate upon and place them close to your heart if you want to be a giant killer. If you've got giants coming up in your life, maybe these might be the things to actually turn to. 23 verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Another version, which is the New Living Translation. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. So green pastures <clears throat> equal tender grass. I don't know about you, but I love being, well, this is for me anyway, I, if I'm exhausted or anything like that, I would love lying on a bed of grass rather than a bed. Uh, and when you get those really nice lush grasses, and if you see me lying on a um, somebody's lawn, at the front lawn after I've gone for a run, it's because I actually like lying on that. But that's tender grass. Yeah. Still waters means in this is waters of rest. The meaning behind still waters here is waters of rest. And just as a side note of that is the Hebrew word manua means the waters of a resting place. Means the waters of a resting place. The Greek word for love is agape, which is the merging of two words and two concepts. Yeah, Argo, which means to lead like a shepherd, and payo, which is a verb that means to rest. So if you put them together, love is our shepherd leading us to a place of true rest in his heart. Agape. Love is our shepherd leading us to a place of true rest in his heart, in his desires. When we allow God, our shepherd, to guide us, we have contentment. When we choose to sin and go our own way, we cannot blame God for the environment we create for ourselves. Our shepherd knows our individual green pastures. He knows our individual peaceful streams. He knows what will restore us. Are you going to allow him to lead you in that? Psalm 23 verse 3. He restores your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. 
Another um, version of that says the circular path of righteousness, and I'll get to that in a second. For his name's sake, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. He causes my life or my soul to return. In this psalm is what it's talking about. The Hebrew word for, for soul is, I can't pronounce this one, but it's nefesh, which means to return. To return. Yeah? He causes my soul to return. So often, because of the things that we're doing in our life, we tend to give parts of ourselves away. Choices that we make, we tend to give parts of our energy away. So often, life drains out through us from our many activities, whether it be work, whether it be um, uh, helping friends out, whether it be choices that we make, whether it be um, fulfilling other people's needs. It tends to start draining us. And David found that out. And he also found out that God restores our well-being by us pursuing what pleases God and resting in him, not pursuing what pleases us and resting in our own desires. Uh, the reason why I said that little part of the back end of it, so he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness. In another version it says circular paths of righteousness. And I just wanted to, to bring to light to this, in, and I, it's perfect that that's up on the screen at the moment, is that the circular paths of righteousness. It was a common trait for sheep in the hillside of Israel to circle their way up higher on the hill for their own safety reasons. They knew this by nature, that they had to circle their way up the hill. They couldn't just go straight up the hill because um, they were just unable to do So they had to circle their way up, which created tracks, yeah? Little circles, big circles on their way up higher. Circular movements, there seemed to be sometimes going backwards, but it was actually going forwards at a steady and safe pace. The sheep eventually formed a path that kept leading them higher and higher and higher. This is what David is referring to here, the circular paths of righteousness. Each step we take following our shepherd will lead us higher, even though it may seem like we are going in circles. Psalm 23, 4. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In another version it says this, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are, the, you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Death casts a frightening shadow over us because we are entirely helpless in its presence. We can struggle with all other causes of life, in pain, in suffering, in disease, or even in injury. But your own strength and courage cannot overcome death because death has the final word. Only one person can walk with us through the darkest valleys and bring us safely to the other side. And that is God, that is the God of life, our shepherd. I'm going, to remove, I'm going to change a few words around in the back end of that. You are your rod and your staff protecting company. Your authority is my strength 
and your authority is my peace. And the comfort of your love takes away my fear of anything. Psalm 23.5. Still with me? We're about to go up on the stage in a second. All right. Psalm 23.5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In the other version it says this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. In Near Eastern culture, and this is why I said I'm going to be moving around a little bit, but in Near Eastern culture, to anoint a a person with fragrant oil is what you did when you had guests. So you anointed a person with fragrant oil. The host was also expected to protect their guests at all costs. The word oil becomes a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You are anointed with the Holy Spirit when you're sitting at the table that God has prepared before your enemies. Three chairs. I'm going to use the three chairs again. So if God prepares a table, your individual table, in front of your enemies, your giants, you choose who sits at your table. You've got three, three choices. God is the truth. He can sit down there. You're also sitting at the table, so there's four seats. You've got your selfish desires and the things that you want sitting at your table. And you've got the master of lies sitting at your table. You've got the enemy sitting at your table. But if you choose who sits at your table, you can choose who doesn't sit at your table. But you actually invite these options in on your table because it's God who prepares the table before your enemy, before your battle, before your Goliath, before your giant. It is God who prepares it and you choose who sits at it. So I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but... If there's four seats, I get to choose to sit at the table. It, there's no, no one-brainer that you would want every seat filled at your table to be godly. But correct me if I'm wrong, we don't always choose that. Correct me if I'm wrong, we let fear, we let shame, we let other people's opinions, we let our own selfish desires sit at the table that is actually before our enemies, which leads us very, very vulnerable. And unfortunately, especially growing up in this generation, we tend to sit there and allow not just one, but three seats at the table for the devil to lead into our life. That's why we have a rising rate of incarceration. That's why we have a rising rate of fatherlessness. That's why we have a rising rate of drug use, mental health. That's why we have a rising rate of so many people not wanting to do this life because they don't know any better. We have individually chosen that three influential pastors in our life 
are just lies that are continually dragging us down and leading to death and destruction. Then we sit there and go, no, 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 no. I've given my life. Everything's sweet. So I think I know better. So I, I might take away, oh, I don't know, probably one, one of the lies, and I'll let God have one seat. And I think, oh, I think I've got my life on track. I think I know what I need to do. I think, uh, I think this is where God wants me to go. But I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. And that selfish desire starts creeping back in. Where in any of that have we reference into what God wants us to do? Have we attached God to the mundane things in our lives so that he can work miraculous wonders in our big things in our lives? So the self starts creeping back in, starting to take a little bit more of a hold. We have an opportunity to be able to allow God to take every seat in our table and we can actually sit there and kick somebody off if we want to kick somebody off because this is the table that God has prepared for us in our lives and if we are choosing over and over and over to be able to allow whether it be our own selfish desires, whether it be lies that have said from our past, even our present, um, things that are going on in our lives, if we're allowing that to actually dictate how we actually plan the battle for the giant that's in front of us, how do you think we're going to end up at the back of that? How do you think, because it even says it in, in this verse, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you think... The table that is prepared for you, you are meant to actually walk through that valley, valley, the shadow of death, with your selfish desires and lies walking into there. How do you think you're going to get out on the other end? Because it says in, in Psalm 23, it says that you will be led safely through to the other side. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So finish off this morning. Our three chairs. You choose who sits in the seats. You choose who holds the seats. You have the influence of truth. You have the influence of lies, addiction, the easy way, or you have the influence of self, what you want in your life. Back end of this is Psalm 23, verse 6. It says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. In the other version it says this, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. At the back end of this psalm we see that believers will dwell in the house with the Lord. God, the perfect shepherd and the perfect host promises to guide and protect us through our life and to bring us into his house of fulfillment, not our house. But that doesn't mean that when we die we go to the house of fulfillment. It says that we are to live that now and if we are not living that, then who holds the seats on your table?
the Lord. He is the shepherd of his people. Are you going to allow him to be your shepherd? As we take less of me and more of God, is that just a, is that just a saying in your life or is that going to be the heading of your new chapter? Because you have a choice. You have a choice to be able to step into what God is prepared for you already. Even though you may not have done that in the past or you may not be doing that now, your future can be changed by what God has won in your life, not what we want. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are forever more reliable, forever more the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, I just thank you that you give us the option. You don't force us, but you allow us to make the decision. Lord, I pray that your heart is stirring in our heart, your desire is stirring in our life, and your spirit is the guidance to that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not leave these doors if there is anything that has been stirred during this service. Make sure that you come up the front. I know sometimes we might sit there and go, I don't want people to see me go up the front. But the only person that's seeing you is God. So take that step for God. If that is something that you've felt that, you, uh, that you're unable to do, take it today. Other opportunities for prayer. We had our prayer gathering, um, the monthly prayer gathering on, on Tuesday, which all reports was absolutely fantastic. We've got Fridays is kicked back up again. So make sure that we cover everything that we do in prayer, individually and as a group, as we move into the session. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org. Dot org.